we conclude our series on the Revelation this morning, and I'd like to just uh, finish by reading the text from chapter 22, 6 through 21, and then uh, make a few comments. But the, the purpose is, Brooke has shared and Steph has shared, that our purpose this morning is to worship and to do it in a variety of ways. And, and you'll be invited into seven or eight different ways near the end, but I'd just like to maybe summarize a bit. So let me read chapter 22, verses 6 through 21, and then we have read the whole Revelation. So this is the ending of the last book of the Bible and the ending of the Revelation. Chapter 22, verse 6. The angel said to me, these are the words, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angels to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and had seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who'd been showing them to me. But the angel said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. Let the one who does, does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. Let the holy person continue to be holy. Epilogue, invitation and warning. warning. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to go to the tree of life and may go through the gates through the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. The spirit and bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears these words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. If anyone takes words away from the scroll of the prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and the holy city which are described in the scroll. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. And all God's people said... So if I could just briefly summarize my slides of four and five. Again, if I remind you, last week I said that in chapters 21 and 22, there are 70 Old Testament references. So there's this tremendous amount of imagery that I don't have time to go through. But if I would summarize these few verses, I would suggest they offer words of assurance. They're offering words of blessing. And interesting, there are seven beatitudes, seven blessings in the, in the, in the Revelation. So number seven carries import. And there are seven specific blessings. And here's the final one in this, in this part. There is warning and there is hope. 
So in some very real way, the, some of the themes of the Revelation come together in the last ep- chapter. But the next slide is what I want to emphasize, and I don't have time to go long, but it emphasizes two things, an invitation and a promise. And the invitation is what? The people are saying, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. So they're asking him, would you please come? And if you read the whole ch- in the last chapter, about eight times the word come is listed, but in particular the word soon. So I want to talk about the word soon to you and just try to bring some application. I want to just do a plug as I talk about this. I want to talk about chronos and kairos. But I want to use this as um, an application. I want to say thank you to Steph and to Tiffany, Tiffany Van Zee, Desha Bruxford. Who else on your team? Others who put this together. This is a remarkable document. It's called the Gratitude Journal. And in it are stories of God coming in beautiful often surprising, sometimes inexpressible and amazing ways. And the phrase, he's coming soon, we often think in terms of linear things. So I remind you, please on the way out, please grab one of these, please, please, please. But the word soon, if I take chronos and kairos, if you think chronos, chronology, you think one, two, three, four. You watch your clock, one, two, three. You watch your calendar. And so when you hear the words, I am coming soon, a skeptical person could say, we've been asking this for 2,000 years. It hasn't happened. So obviously, something's wrong. But that's thinking with chronos. Let's think kairos. Kairos is a word that means an opportunity for God to break in. So this book is filled with stories of Jesus coming soon. Kairos breaks in. If I had permission, in light of this last year, hundreds of you have shared life with me and told me stories of your life and your relationship with Jesus. If I had permission, I could stand up here and just say, I can see in this life and this life and this life, the Lord Jesus has broken in. He is coming soon. So in the words of Kairos, Jesus has come. Remember chapters two and three? He is walking among the church. He is looking at every person, looking deep within, saying, what kind of a person are you? What is your life like? How are you living out my relationship with you? He comes soon in different times throughout the Revelation. He says he's coming soon in ways that are gonna be magnificent. And so I want you to hear for just a moment now the idea that we have to be anticipating his coming because he's coming all over the place. So the word, the idea of time, don't think so much about chronology. Now let me play with you just for a minute. I often walk through cemeteries and I go through and I think through all the women and men whose services I've been asked to officiate in and with. And I stop at the stones pretty regularly and I look at the dates. So to pretend if you can see this little, my pen is a dash. And in my left hand is the date a person is born. And in my right hand is the date the person dies. You and I live according to our gravestones in the dash. That's chronos. That's a period of time. But kairos is God is always breaking in. He's breaking in. He's breaking in. He's breaking in. And if I live with this perspective, just thinking about my life in this dash, 
It's so easy to become pessimistic, cynical, discouraged. God's never doing anything, blah, blah, blah. Okay, they, brothers and sisters, here are pages of stories of people you may know or you want to get to know who speak about God breaking in. He is coming soon. Now, let me push back. Someone came to see this week, this week and was very unhappy with some things and said, you know, you're just doing this pie-in-the-sky thing Sunday after Sunday. You just said, this happens in my life, and this happened in my life, and this happened in my life, and none of this is good. Where's God in all this? I, I listened, and I asked, well, what are you asking of me? What do, you, what do you want from me? Explain this to me. I said, he said, two weeks ago, you talked about rewards. So where's the reward for all this suffering? So I did what I just did with you. I said, if you're living here, there may or may not be rewards. But in the life to come, there will be rewards. So I told the story last service, it just popped in my head. Our oldest son, for his job, was in India at Brother Teresa's uh, establishment. And the story, I'm talking about rewards now, rewards. So I need, <laughs> begging Brother Mercy, oh yeah, yeah. So don't hear what I'm not saying today. I'm gonna compare two women and both are well known and I honor each, but it's quite different. Talk about rewards. So one woman died in a tragic car crash and the world is still talking about her death and her life. And still many, many images, many stories, many things. Who am I talking about? Who died on the same day? Mother Teresa. So now think about the themes in the Revelation the revelation says those who are entrusting themselves to the beast, to Babylon, to 666, think in terms of money, possessions, power, platforms. What kinds of rewards come to, I'm not saying anything about a person, so I don't hear me. What did Jesus say in Matthew 6? If you want to stand in front of people and pray, and people notice, if you want to give money and gifts, and have people notice. And if you want to fast and be, practice spiritual disciplines on people, notice. Celebrate their applause now, because that's all you're going to get. But great will be the reward in heaven for the women and men and the girls and the boys who are faithful to Jesus to the end. So Kyle went to see Mother Teresa's room, which is basically a closet. I've told the story before, but very quickly, <clears throat> when she was to be sent, she gave shoes to all the other women in, in, the, in, the, in, her, in her ministry. She took what was left, <clears throat> and Kyle got to see her last pair of shoes, and she was a small one, but the shoe she had only went about this far of her feet. And when she died, her toes were completely curled under her feet because the shoes she wore were so small that her feet had to curl under and Kyle was so struck by a woman who gave up so much for the least, the lost, the poorest, the abandoned, the not loved. And Kyle said to me, Dad, what kind of rewards will Mother Teresa experience someday? So back to the man in my office who's angry about some things. My question to him is, are you living for now or living for now 
and then. So I want to talk about rewards for just a minute, if I could, and a couple of statements, and then I'm going to go a different direction. So I don't have time for all this stuff, so three things real quickly. I'm going to talk about royalty, talk about rewards, and work, real quick. Royalty. I got not, but I, usually on Monday mornings, I get 60 to 70 emails about the sermon. <clears throat> and I, the number of them last week came back around royalty. What do you mean that we are going to be royalty? What does it mean we will reign with Christ? Well, this, the, it is found throughout Scripture. There are multiple passages in the Revelation. St. Paul writes, if we endure, we will reign with him. So let me talk about now the, the new heavens, the new earth coming here. Someday, someday, we will stand here, remember? And in the passage that I read today, the word tree of life, river of life, speaks to the idea of salvation. That's what he's talking about. So if you've been saved by grace through faith, Christ has washed your sins away, and you stand here, he will say to you what? Welcome home. Well done, good and faithful servant. It's good to have you here. I, I love you. And then he will give you rewards. And not only rewards, stay with me, you will reign with Christ. So last week Sunday at this service, I, I talked about with the new resurrection body, think about Jesus' body, I gotta talk really fast. Remember, remember, he ate, he ate, he drank, he appeared, he disappeared, he was here, he was there. So last week at this service, I said, I believe you have the opportunity, if you are so invited by Jesus, to explore solar systems. Why not? Who will explore solar systems? Those who have been entrusted and rewarded for how they lived here. So St. Paul writes, I do this at every funeral I've done, over 500, I read these words in Romans, your works will follow. Blessed are those who die in the Lord, their works follow. So this is what I'm saying to you over and over again, over these years, how you live here goes with you the next life. This is just practice. This is athletic analogy. We're just practicing here. We're just practicing for the dash. But you're going to live forever. So as you are formed into the image of Jesus, as you bear the fruit of the Spirit, as you deep abide in him and his life is lived through you, as you know who you are, loved, known, cherished, and you live out of that reality, as you become... Listen to me. Someday I believe the Lord will say to those who are deeply embedded in him, listen to me. He will say to you, you can do whatever you want, the new heaven and new earth. Well, what do you mean by that? Because you're going to be so like Jesus, you will do what he will do. You, if you are in Christ, if you have been raised from the dead, New life through him. Listen to me. You will rule and reign with Jesus. Is that good news? Well, there's more. I also referenced this last week, and I got two people coming to see me about this. I talked about work. In Genesis 3, work was cursed. Before that, listen to me, work was cursed purposeful and restful. In the new heaven and new earth, you and I will 
work. And how God made you here and how you have developed who you are in him here, you will take with you to the new heaven and new earth. And you will work. And you will love it. Oh, and you will feast. And you will worship. And you will love. And you'll be loved. And you'll see people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. You'll see all these people gather. It's going to be incredible. You will reign and rule with Christ. You will work for him and his goodness and his glory. And the revelation fundamentally is about will we remain faithful to Jesus to the end? Now, let me just go some quick slides. Oh, boy. uh, Slide seven and eight. So these are the, the, I tried to get some words that pick up some of the themes I've been trying to generate among us. In the Revelation, there are 28 songs. 28. So one of the impetus for this morning was that we would sing a lot because the Revelation includes incredible amounts of glorious music. So we wanted to have a place of worship. But in the context of worship, there's a question that's being asked all the way through the Revelation. And the question is basically this. Brothers and sisters who call yourselves Christians, will we be faithful to Jesus to the end? Or will we compromise? And that's the question. And we can compromise in many, many small ways, but after a while, if I compromise enough, uh, I better not go there. I compromise. Let's just think of what your favorite sin, okay? What's called besetting sin, the sins we keep committing. We don't want to, but we we just, for a variety of reasons, continue. So so let's just say my besetting sin is is lying. And there's some truth to that. So I lie a little bit, and I lie a little bit more, and I lie a little bit more. And after a while, I am so compromised, I don't even know when I'm lying and when I'm telling the truth. That's what happens with compromise. And in the revelation, we're asked, will you remain faithful to Jesus? I told this at last service. I found something in 62 AD. I've been having lots of fun studying. In 62 AD, there was a family who went to the, in the city's altar of incense. You know, when I say that, you know what I'm talking about? Will you pinch the altar and say, Caesar's Lord, that whole thing? So they went there as a family, they did the pinch, and there was no response from the Roman procreator. So I read the handwritten letter from this family to the Roman official who said, you saw us pinch incense, you heard us say, Caesar is Lord, will you give us a documentation that will let us live in this culture? Now think how many people who called themselves Christians were facing that dilemma. Will I pinch and say Caesar is Lord and be welcomed into culture? Or will I be so courageous, so faithful that I will say, no, Caesar is not Lord. Jesus is Lord and pay the consequences. It's so easy to compromise. So in the Revelation, The question just keeps being asked. Will we be faithful to Jesus? Will we be faithful? So what does that mean? So I said a couple weeks ago, I used used a provocative sentence on purpose. I talked about salvation as an embrace of love and an assault 
on evil. And the assault on evil, the examples I gave were like this. You and I assault evil when we forgive. We assault evil when we bless those who persecute us. We assault evil when we choose to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. As we continue to live the life of Jesus out of us, it becomes obvious that we are committed to Christ and his kingdom. And as people see that in us, they want, why, why? Back to Mother Teresa. So, it's not pejorative. Mother Teresa was about this big. If you read her journals, this beautiful woman wrestled with the dark night of the soul. Beautiful woman, honest, authentic. And I thought, would I, would I want to live that life? Would I want to be as faithful to Jesus as she was? Would I be willing to be misunderstood and be uh, criticized and lose all creature comforts for the sake of the poor and the lost? Because what did Jesus say? If you see someone who is dying of hunger or thirst and you give them something, what did Jesus say? You're giving it to me. And she saw the people that we would just walk by. She saw Jesus. She saw the presence of Jesus. And all of a sudden, oh, you know, do you understand what's before you? Someday, someday, around this throne, in, where all these things are happening, you, listen, you will reign with Jesus. Now, they have... The people who have the most rewards won't be the preachers. It'll be the hidden women and men and boys and girls who lived out their heart with Jesus in ways that he sees, he knows, and he blesses. That's what we're talking about, that kind of faithful love. Okay, next, next slide, I'm sorry, I've got to. So, another thing, seven blessings. So there are seven Beatitudes, seven times he speaks about blessing. Overcomers, those who overcome evil, reigning with Christ, chronos, kairos, and rewards. Okay, so back slide, back one. So what I'd like to ask now, could we take worship, our themes, worship, faithful or compromising, a throne at the very center of the new heaven, new earth, Old Testament, Hundreds of references in the Revelation to the Old Testament. Spiritual battle, beast, uh, horrible beings, spiritual battle, perseverance, hanging there, being a witness, no matter what. The next one, seven blessings, overcomers, rain, chronos, kairos, and finally rewards. So slide number 10, please. Could we take a few minutes now, if you'd be willing, could you just, if you're willing, if you're able, if, you're, if you feel comfortable, could we take a few minutes, could you share with someone or someone's around you? In what ways has our talking about the revelation, reading the revelation, considering revelation, affected your relationship with Jesus? Now, just a heads up, as we move to response time, in this corner and back there is a great big tables with what, black paper, paper on it, and you can write down on there 
what you adore, appreciate, love about Jesus. So can we take like four or five minutes? Could you take a risk with me? What has the study of Revelation done in your relationship with Jesus? If you don't want to do it, take a nap. Go for it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having conversation. One of the joys is to watch you begin to share your own relationship with Christ with each other. Uh, I, I received some criticism in these past weeks for not being a theologically, a, not theological depth. And so I'd like to just finish with a, a statement that I've written to try to put it all together. So perhaps it has a little more weight to it. Uh, I've been suggesting over the past 12 weeks 
that St. John did not write the Revelation as a secret code for deciphering the timetable of Jesus' return. I've been suggesting to you for 12 weeks that this symbolic vision brings the challenges of real life and the hope that those who follow Jesus have as gifts and has been present in every generation for 2,000 years. The book of the Revelation reveals history's pattern and God's promise, showing that, listen to this, every single human kingdom eventually becomes Babylon. And as disciples of Jesus, it is to be resisted. We are to be reminded that Jesus, who lived, loved, and died for our world, will not let Babylon go unchecked. He will make all things right. One day he will return, and he will remove all evil from his good world and make all things new. This promise revealed in the last book of the Bible is given to motivate us to be faithful to Jesus in every generation until Jesus the King finally returns. This is what the letter of Revelation is all about. And together with the angel choirs, we want to say, crowns down. Would you pray with me, please? We give you thanks and praise, O Lord, for who you are and how you are ever living and moving among us. We thank you for the words of the revelation. And we pray that we would be known as women and men and boys and girls as a people who are faithful to you, who abide deeply in your love, and from whom you bear the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And so with the church through the ages, for 2,000 years, we say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. And we hear your words. You are coming soon. So with the angels, we stand, we kneel, we respond with crowns down. In Jesus' name, amen.